So the topic today is Shri Prabhupada and my experiences with him. So we'll go back to the year 1970 in Boston. And I was searching as many of the people were, many of the youth were searching for a guru. Actually, I was searching for a guru. Many people were searching, but they didn't know what they were searching for. But some change from the status quo. We, we understood that we couldn't live the life that people were living in America at that time. And we wanted an alternative. So, and we were into revolution. So, but I understood, I, I already saw that this revolution that they wanted was useless because the people, uh, they, they, they want to change the, gov the government or whatever society, but they themselves didn't want to change themselves. They, they would be just the same as the other people if they got control. So anyway, I was searching for guru and I was trying out many different gurus. There were so many in Boston. There's, it's a big college town. Lots of universities there. Harvard came, not Harvard and Cambridge, I think. Anyway, yeah, there's a lot of. So I was searching and uh, so I tried a few Zen, I tried um, yoga, I tried this one, Maharishi. And Maharishi, he, he charged, that time it was much cheaper, it was only $35 for a mantra. I don't know. I think it's a few hundred now. <laughs> I don't know how much the mantras cost nowadays. But uh, yeah, I, I did buy one. And he, he said that, that you, would, you would become God in six months. I tried. <laughs> I tried. He said, if, you're not, if you don't become God, at least you'll become liberated. And also not liberated. Not liberated and not God. So uh, I, then um, we didn't have much money because we were hippies. And my husband's philosophy was I won't work. So I worked a little bit. I had, so we could eat something and, <laughs> and pay the rent. Um, but uh, then we went to the temple. We hitchhiked because we didn't have any money to go there. Um, we hitchhiked to the temple and went uh, to the Sunday feast. So I asked the devotees, um, so what is, um, what is your process? And the devotee said, yeah, you chant, dance, and eat. And I said, okay, I'll try it. And uh, I tried it. And then from that day, I couldn't get the Maha Mantra out of my head. It was just always somehow going in my head after that. And then um, I said, I asked, so what, if I follow this process, and what do I, what can I hope to achieve? And they said, you will see God face to face. I said, yes, I want to see God. I don't want to be God. I want to see God face to face. So then a few months went by, and um, after that, uh, they told me, Prabhupada is coming. Prabhupada is coming. So you should stay for the weekend. So I said, okay. And uh, I stayed for the weekend. Uh, 
But on the day he was, Prabhupada was supposed to come, he phoned and he said, oh, I won't be able to come, but I'm sending four sannyasis instead. So one of those four sannyasis was Vishnu Maharaj. And he took us out on Harinam day and night, and I was so happy. I said, why should I go back home? I said, I'm so happy here, why should I go back? I went and said goodbye to my husband and joined the temple. <laughs> but he joined two months later, because he couldn't follow his philosophy of I won't work. <laughs> the devotees didn't work, we were just on Harinam the whole day, so he wasn't, if he joined, then he could follow his philosophy also. But he was also, you know, he accepted the philosophy of Krishna consciousness. And so, um, but one thing I learned from that experience was that um, if you're hesitating to take the next step, then when, it, when I was ever I was hesitating, the Prabhupada would push me. So Prabhupada, even he didn't, though he didn't come, he, he said he was coming and that was enough to make me become a devotee and to give up Everything and just join is what we had to do in those days. You couldn't live outside. To be a devotee, you had to live in the temple. So everybody was in the temple, in the temple of Grihastas, Brahmacharis, Sannyasis. So, um, yeah, that was one lesson I learned. And not only that happened to me that weekend, but four or five other people never went back home either <laughs> after that weekend. That was it, and they joined the temple. So then, after that, uh, we were in. We were doing Harinam ten hours a day, and it was really wonderful. And we we um, lost contact with our bodies pretty much, because we were so happy. We were just so much in the, into the holy name, day and night, and uh, yeah, we we were. I remember uh, one time uh, I was, I did, I, you know, somebody looked at me and said, oh, you don't look well. Are you sick? I said, yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe I have a fever or maybe it's ecstatic symptoms because that's how we were. We were just, we couldn't connect with our bodies. Even if we were sick, we didn't real, we couldn't tell if we were sick or not. Well, that's if you go out every day for 10 hours on Harinam, then that could happen to you too. And, I, and we felt very, very happy. And um, I remember also I asked a question um, to one devotee, Pradumna, he was a Sanskrit scholar. So I, he was telling me about all the levels from Shraddha to Prema. So I asked him, so what level are you on? And he said, Ruchi. <laughs> which is a very high level, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and we all thought we were on Ruchi, actually. <laughs> we, if you ask any of us, we'd say, oh, yeah, yeah, I got a taste for chanting. Holy name. Uh, and it was a very simple life. Yeah. Simple living and high thinking. We would live for the Sunday feast because we were starving the rest of the week. We didn't have money to eat, really. I remember... For breakfast, they would count the chickpeas. You would get six or eight, I can't remember, six chickpeas. And, and a little porridge, which they would put on a paper napkin and it would stick. It was like glue. And we'd eat 
porridge in it, and the napkin too. Uh, <laughs> we didn't have plates. We had wax, you know, wax paper. For for dinner, they used wax paper, and there was also some glob of something I don't remember what. <laughs> and breakfast, and then six, four, six chickpeas and a little porridge. You know, the size of a napkin. Anyway, those were. But we were happy. We were happy. We didn't. We didn't mind it. Of course, if I tell you who was who was there in our Boston temple, temple president was Satsvarup. He was a grihasta. Our Harinam leader was Giriraj Maharaj. He was a brahmachari. Temple commander was Sri Dananda Goswami. Yeah, he was a brahmachari. Head of the press, the Iskand press was there, was Jayadwaita. And uh, Perdumna was there, the Sanskrit scholar. And Bhavananda was the interior decorator. <laughs> we had shocking pink, one room was shocking pink, one was bright orange. It was, you know, hippies, we loved it. We thought, this is, <laughs> this is really, so, this is another world. <laughs> it was another, and the house was purple outside. It was just in a regular, very conservative housing district, too. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay. <laughs> I remember for Tulsi Archie, uh, we, we had to circumambulate the temple, and it was like snow outside, and we had to go outside and circumambulate the temple, and some of us didn't even have shoes. <laughs> it was like crazy, crazy what we did. In those days, but you know, we thought this isn't normal. This is Krishna consciousness. We have to do it. This is what we have to do. So um, <laughs> those, that was the first six months, and and then after six months, they sent us to Florida. Now Boston is the top. They're both on the eastern coast. Boston is at the north. Florida is on the very south. So how did they send us? It was not by bus, and not by train, and not by plane. Haribo. Hare Krishna. So they sent us, they, they dropped us on the road, and we had to hitchhike. That was our means of transportation in the old days, <laughs> hitchhiking. We made it to New York, and New York devotees took mercy on us, and they let us collect for a bus, a bus ticket. So, uh, yeah, this is Prabhupada Kata. <laughs> Prabhupada Kata. So, um, yeah, <laughs> a lot of austerities. And we didn't have suitcases either. We just had a box with our belongings in it. And, and we were in sheets. We didn't have saris and dhotis. So here we were on the road in yellow sheets. And somebody's supposed to pick us up, right? You know, <laughs> and give us a ride with our belongings. And, uh, <laughs> well, we got it. Somebody did. It didn't take long. Within an hour, we got a ride to New York. And, uh, yeah, so then, yeah, we went to Florida. And we were there after, for six months. And But actually, uh, I wanted to get an initiation because the standard was after your six months in the temple, you can get initiated. So I asked Satrup and he said, well, wait for your husband, just wait two months more. So I said, okay, wait for my husband. A after eight months, I asked my husband, so let's get initiated. He says, I'm not ready. I said, well, I'm not waiting for you any longer. 
Um, and so I wrote a letter to Prabhupada. We had to make our own beads, so I should have brought them. I have them upstairs. I have my initiation beads. Yeah, thank goodness <laughs> I still have them. But uh, I had to, we had to string them ourselves. And if you, if you want to know how to make beads, you... Um, you have to chant. You have to put one bead on, and then chant the maha mantra, and then put the next bead on, and chant the maha mantra. Tie it, tie it, double, double knot. Uh, so we had to make our own beads, string them to them, string them, and send them along with a letter to Srila Prabhupada. So I wrote a letter to Prabhupada, and I said, "If you don't initiate me, then I'm a dead body." because I took that verse from Srimad Bhagavatam, second canto, if, if you don't get the dust of the lotus feet, I quoted the verse from second canto, if you don't get the dust of the lotus feet of a pure devotee on your head, then you're a dead body, although breathing. So, um, yeah, so Prabhupada initiated me, he wrote me back. He said, Narayani means energy of Narayan, and he gave me six instructions. And the first instruction was chant at least 16 rounds. I think it was in the letter, there was a typing error, and it was 20, I think, instead of 16. And then they whited it out, and, I mean, that they erased it and put 16. And then um, and he said, follow strictly this, the regular principles. And then he said, uh, read and study all my books. And, he, and then he said, do deity worship. Go to RT, do deity worship. And then the fifth one was do Sankirtan and preaching. So I've been doing those, like I was six year, seven years of Pujari. Seven years I did book distribution in India, traveling Sankirtan book distribution, village to village. And then since 1994, I've been teaching the books. So I did all those three plus the other two. And the sixth one is yet to come. And the sixth instruction was uh, 24 hours be engaged in Krishna's service. So someday maybe I will be doing that too. Baba. Um, but and he said, that if you follow these, then your path uh, to Krishna will be open, will be wide open. Your path of advancement, your advancement will be very quick. So those were his instructions. And then a few months later, I got another letter out of the blue telling me how to follow those instructions. It requires a special attitude. And the attitude, he said, depends on three things, sincerity, enthusiasm, and cooperation with other devotees. So two are personal, and one is like, you have to do it all together. Not, you're just not the only one in here, in this movement, you have to cooperate with others. That was hard. Um, still trying to cooperate. Still trying to be sincere and enthusiastic, too. So then, um, after that, uh, what happened? Yeah, so after we were one year, then my, my husband did get initiated uh, a few months after I did. And Prabhupada wrote him a letter saying, you, you are slow to come. So just like a turtle, I think he said. 
<laughs> but he said, but now you have come, Krishna will never let you go. So, yeah, that's true. He's still chanting. He's still writing books. Um, but yeah, he's still, in some sense, Krishna conscious. So, uh, yeah, next, after one year, they sent us out to start a temple. And that was in Florida. You know, no money, just go to the city and find a place to stay and, and start a temple. <laughs> and that was how we, how we did it. And uh, yeah, I remember that was what I, I told what this story, I think, on Sunday, that I, I was, we were going door to door in our yellow sheets. And so one child came to the door of one house we, were, we went to, and the child said, Mommy, there's an angel at the door. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, we, then we, we weren't successful. We, we stayed there, I think, for another six months. But we, we couldn't manage. And so then we went to Dallas. And, uh, but then Srila Prabhupada wrote a letter that he wanted 50 devotees in India. So, uh, from every temple, they chose devotees to go to India. He wanted 50, but only 25 went. <laughs> and out of those 25 who went, only five stayed. Because it was so austere, very austere in India in the early days. It was austere everywhere, but especially in India and New Vrindavan, I think, <laughs> it, was, it was very austere. I think in Europe, too. In Europe, it was austere. Yeah. Mayapur, India, yeah. Mayapur was austere. So all of these places, we had to do austerities. Sorry. Um, so... Where was I? Yes, in India. So it was Satsarupa again. And we thought, oh my God, how is he going to send us to India? <laughs> uh, so again, we had to hitchhike. Then we got to New York. I don't know. Remember how we got to New York? Hitchhiking somewhere, somewhere up, up the way. Maybe they let us collect. But when we got to New York, then they let us collect for our tickets. Which I rather go remember. And... Uh, the ticket, we, it, within three weeks we got the money. We just were selling, we were just distributing this little pamphlet on chanting Hare Krishna. It's still available, I think, in, some temp in America it's available. Just a few pages pamphlet. We were asking 25 cents for it. And within three weeks we got our, our, our fares. It was $300 each, one-way one ticket. We got one-way tickets because Prabhupada told us to go, but he didn't tell us to go back, so we didn't go back. <laughs> we stayed <laughs> since 72. It was 1972. And uh, we got there to Bombay. We landed and uh, we were there for Mangalarti and that night the deities' jewelry had been stolen because the deities were living in a tent. Devotees were living in a hut. The men devotees had a hut. 
And the hut was multi-purpose. It was a men's ashram, it was prasadam room, it was kitchen, it was the office, it was everything, all in one. But it was not, it was very, it was a real hut. Uh, rats running everywhere. And, uh, ladies' ashram was up on the roof of a building and it was summer um, <laughs> in Bombay, pretty hot. Anyway, what to do? So uh, there we were, we landed in Bombay. And I think I told this story before many times. The first day I was there, we were eating our prasadam and there were these huge rats running across the rafters. And I was hoping that he wouldn't fall in my plate. And he fell, but not in my plate, someone else's. <laughs> I was happy. Um, <laughs> shouldn't have been, but <laughs> it was the guy who was protecting the deities at night and fell asleep. And deeps came. So, um, yeah, and our drinking water was this clay pot with a lid, and you take off the lid, and all these bugs would fly out from it. And we were all sick. I got urine infection. Within a few days, you would just be sick. You know, you couldn't, you couldn't live in those conditions. We were really sick. Um, and we were so sick they sent us to Calcutta, which was really Krishna's mercy. Uh, they needed pujaris there, so they sent us to Calcutta to be pujari. And uh, yeah, then we got our on Radhastami, we got our uh, Gaiji initiation, and we became pujaris. So. Um, <coughs> Calcutta was much, it was austere, but um, at least we had a roof over our head. I was happy about that. Uh, there was no electricity and no, no water. But everything else was, it was beautiful. The deities were beautiful and, and the seva was nice. Seva was 20 hours seva, 4 hours sleep. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, here we dressed, I dressed. Morning and evening, I did the, and I bought the flowers during the well, time I was dressing. I had to buy the flowers, haggle with the flower wall, do all the vases. There was like six of them. And <laughs> I didn't have to dress the other deities, but yeah, everything we, we did. And then I had to do four artis, all the big artis, Mangal arti, noon arti, and wake up the deities in the morning, put them to sleep at night and, and at noon and four o'clock RT and evening RT, all the big RTs I had to do. And plus manage, if someone didn't show up, I'd have to do theirs too. Only thing I didn't do was cook, except I, I made sweet rice, that's the only thing. I had this little electric stove. Of course, we did have sometimes electricity and I would just leave it on four hours and, and put the rice and everything in and it would be cooked um, because it would go, electricity would go off and on. So. And, but usually four hours it would be done. <laughs> that was my that was my only cooking. Uh, we did have a lot of good Indian cooks. Um, that we did have. We didn't have pujaris much either. You know, one for Jagannath, one for Lord Chaitanya, one for the small deities. I guess that's a lot, yeah. But they didn't stay the whole day. They would go out all day and collect. They didn't. They weren't in the temple. They were out collecting. Um, so, 
Yeah, Calcutta Prabhupada would often come. And there was a window behind the deities. And every and things would come in the window. We had bees coming. On Radha Govinda's altar, we had a bumblebees. And they would fly around and they would land in these lotus flowers. I had 144 lotus flowers every day, 144 roses every day, 50 garlands every day. We didn't have to make the garlands. We had a flower man. I had one man donating 50 garlands. Roses, gardenias, four kinds of champa, and and uh, other flowers, mogra. It was we had real. That was our opulence of flowers. So the bees would come every day to the flowers. The bumblebees on Radha Govinda's side, and the small bees on Jagannath's side. And the small bees would sit on the garlands, just like in the spiritual rule. Description is the bees are sitting on the garlands, so we could see that every day. And we had the spiritual world. We had Vaikuntha on one side and we had Goloka on the other. And the Goloka bumblebees were coming and the Vaikuntha small bees were coming on Jagannath's side. And bats were coming, all, birds were coming, <laughs> everything was coming. That window. Now they close it up, they have AC. But in those days we, we had quite a few things coming in that window. Um, but uh, and then of course we had animals too. We had cats, and the rats were the same size as the cats. And because <laughs> if I was up late at night, I was up till ten thirty. So by ten o'clock, the rats would come out, and you'd have to let them, you know, pass before you would take the the right of way. They were really big, but um, <laughs> they didn't. I only got bit once because I was sleeping out on the roof. And um, that's where they, they go. But I didn't get any, any disease or anything. I, I figured, you know, they get lots of prashad, so they're probably okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, so Prabhupada would come to Calcutta every time on his way to Mayapur and back from Mayapur. And he did comment on the bees. He said, when the bees are coming to the deities, that means Krishna is pleased with the worship. So the bees were coming. He liked, I'm sure Krishna liked the flowers. He liked all the flowers that we had. You couldn't see the dress, usually. Um, <laughs> and I would change the flowers five times a day. Five times a day. <laughs> like the flowers. Uh, so, um, yeah, we had like huge, the vases were full of these huge lotus flowers. Big, big vases we had. Um, anyway. And sometimes we would have lotus garlands too. So Prabhupada, um, oh, so the first time I saw Prabhupada, actually the first time was in America at the airport. It was, uh, I think, Gainesville Airport. Yeah, it was Gainesville. I don't think we went far. <coughs> and um, the devotees uh, were lugging this huge Vyasa sun to the airport for Prabhupada to sit on. <laughs> And I remember that. And, um, and Prabhupada just took one look at it and <laughs> thought the devotees were crazy and didn't, wouldn't even sit on it. <laughs> but um, I remember following behind Shri Prabhupada. He was walking and I was following behind him. And for the first time in my life, I felt like here is where I belong. I never felt like I belonged anywhere. When I was 10 years old, I was sitting in my classroom and I was thinking, 
I'm not one of these people. I don't know where I'm from. Maybe I'm from another country. Maybe I'm from another planet. But one thing I know is I'm not American. I'm not from here. <laughs> so that was my realization. But when I, and I tried so many things, but I never, I remember in school they asked, what do you want to be? And I didn't want any of them. I didn't want to be any of those careers. I, I don't want to be any of those things. Anyway, what to do, you had to choose one. But uh, then I became a musician, that's what I became, because that wasn't one of those uh, things. <laughs> Played the cello and the piano. So, uh, yeah. So, where was I before that? Oh, yeah, okay, India. Oh, first time I saw Prabhupada, I felt like I can do this the rest of my life, just follow behind him. Now, in India, the first time I saw Prabhupada was in Vindavan, in Kartik, 1972, Nectar of Devotion Lectures. And um, so he was trying to convince the Brijabhasis to accept us as Vaishnavas. And Rupa Goswami says, every human being has the right to do devotional service. So he was preaching on that basis, teaching um, Nectar of Devotion. And, uh, yeah, we thought, oh, he's going to talk about Ras Lila and all the, the Rasas and all that, but he was very, he went to the preface, <laughs> and then the introduction. It was very simple. And uh, because that's where we were. We weren't, you know, on these elevated things. And we still are, still where we are, still trying to be devotees. So, uh, Nectar of Devotion, and then he would have darshan in his room, uh, in his room after the class. Uh, so, one time he was sitting on, his, on a, like a dais, and uh, there were some bananas at his feet, and one monkey ran in and grabbed the bananas and ran out. <laughs> and Prabhupada said, See how intelligent is that monkey is? None of you would dare to do that. <laughs> said, but don't be intelligent like the monkey. Monkey's intelligent for eating. Don't be intelligent like that. So, yeah. Um, then one night he, he, he noticed me and he said to me, Oh, my sister tells me you speak Bhagavatam very nicely. I was puzzled because I never spoke Bhagavatam and what to speak of nicely. So then I remembered on Janmashtami Day in Calcutta, our tradition in those days was from morning to night we had to read Krishna book, we would take turns. So my turn came and I was reading about Raslila, Krishna left the gopis and, and Pishima, Prabhupada's sister was sitting in front of me listening and she didn't know a word of English, I was reading in English. And she was crying and crying and crying. And then she, and then she said, Prabhupada, she speaks Bhagavatam very nicely. <laughs> anyway, I was reading Krishna book. But one thing happened was 30 years later, I started speaking Bhagavatam. I started teaching Bhagavatam. So what I understood was if a pure devotee says something, if the words come out of his mouth anyway, uh, it must happen. You must... It must, things must happen. So that happened to me twice, once in Vrindavan, once in Mayapur. So then later on in Calcutta, 
um, Prabhupada came and he was on his way to Mayapur and the Sanskrit scholar Prajumna, he, he noticed me and he said, oh, Prabhupada is, wants to translate Chaitanya Charitamrita. He needs somebody to type. So all you have to do is learn how to read Bengali and we're going tomorrow. I said, okay, no problem, I'm coming. And, uh, and they gave me the Bengali book and I learned the Bengali script and off I was the next day with Srila Prabhupada to type Chaitanya Charitamrita. Same thing happened when I joined the temple. You know, there was, everyone um, expected that you could do anything. You know, there was nothing impossible. Impossible was a word in the Fool's Dictionary. So when I joined the temple, uh, they said, you have to type Bhagavad Gita. The Bhagavad Gita for Macmillan Company, we had to do the typesetting. So uh, you have to learn Sanskrit. You have to learn to read Sanskrit. So they gave me Isha Upanishad, the back of the book, and say, here it is. Now you just put from when you read it in Sanskrit, you put it in, type it in English. Uh, so that was the first day I joined. That's because I knew how to type. <laughs> And that was they had, and that was another thing. That typesetting machine was going 24 hours. They had a schedule, 24 hours a day. So I had, besides 10 hours of Harinam, I had four hours on the typesetting machine too. Typing, cut and paste. Cut and paste means uh, you had to. You had first first draft was on on just rough paper, and we had this big five foot machine and had dials like B4. So every line you would stop and look at what, what the machine said and it said B4, you would type at the end of each line. One line would be B4, one would be C6. And then when then you type it again on photographic paper and you have to set the dials before you type it and then it would come out straight. And then uh, um, layout means they would lay it out on the floor and Copy-paste was, if we made a mistake, we would have to retype it, and they would have to, we would have to copy that word, and they would have to paste it on the floor. <laughs> that was copy-paste. In case you want to know the history of typesetting, copy-paste comes from literally copy-paste. Uh, right, they had to do it by hand. Copy-paste and layout was layout all over <laughs> 1972. <laughs> <laughs> That was, yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, I remember we had, I was typing in the basement of Boston Temple and there were rats. There were rats everywhere. We went, only not here, so that's good. But now it's, we are more civilized. We have good places to live. Um, but uh, yeah, I used to wear boots so the rats wouldn't get my feet <laughs> in Boston. I remember that. Um, Anyway, uh, so I was off to Mayapur with Srila Prabhupada. And um, again, austerity. We were living in the Lotus Building while it was being built. It was under construction, and we were living in it. So there were no windows. There were just holes in the wall. And there were doors, but they had no handles. So you couldn't, you know, if the wind came, it would blow the door open like... And we would put these marble sheets in front of the door to stop it, but it would blow the marble sheets and the stone across the floor because it was the rainy season, not rainy season, but the real windy, heavy storms would come in May. I think I was there in May. Yeah, or May, June. 
And so then, uh, yeah, we were living austerely. There was bathrooms, but there was no pipes, so you couldn't use the bathrooms. We had to go and pump water and bring it up in a bucket and take a shower up on the veranda. And then there were, and toilet was an outhouse somewhere in the middle of some field somewhere. Yeah, anyway. And the ladies' ashram, uh, we had no door to our room, but we had to go through the next room to get out. And the next room had no floor, and we were on the first floor. And we had to walk on this plank to get to the door. I remember every morning, you got to be really awake when you go, when you go out to take your shower or anything for Mangalarti. You got to otherwise. It was, but I mean, there was something, it was like four, a four foot drop, I think. It was about a meter drop. I mean, it wasn't the whole first floor, but still. Uh, but yeah, anyway, so uh, I was there typing for Prabhupada in one, another room, different room. And Prabhupada was looking in my window, which wasn't a, it was a hole in the wall. And uh, he was saying, oh, because I was sitting there, I had this huge Bengali Chaitanya Charitamrita, had the headphones, and I was hearing Prabhupada, and he would say the Bengali word. I would read it in Bengali, and then I would type it in English on the... I would transliterate it. So he looked at me and he said, oh, you know Bengali? I said, yes, Shiva Prabhupada. <laughs> I didn't know anything, but I just knew how to read the letters. But um, then he said, oh, come to my room. I came to his room, said, no Bengali? Yes, Shiva Prabhupada. So we will uh, do many books together. <laughs> so you learn how to type in Bengali letters. So that was something he said, and I had visions, oh, I'm going to travel with Prabhupada. But it never happened because um, the Pujaris uh, all left Calcutta Temple when they got a new president. They were afraid of Gargamuni, so everybody left. And I had to become the head Pujari, I had to go back to Calcutta, become the head Pujari. And so, um, yeah, but that was, that was good. But then those words came true, like 30 years later, I started doing books. I mean, making books. We would do many books together. So Prabhupada is helping me to do these books that I that I write. So that came true. It came true. But then I did learn to type Bengali when Brahmachari was teaching me. And he's and so then I was typing with the Bengali letters, and then I was reading the Bengali. And I said. I said to him, look, you don't have to look at the keys. You just read and remember where the keys are. Touch typing in Bengali, right? So he said, oh. No, that's what Prabhupada told me. Uh, he told me, you learn from her, you teach her, and you learn from her also. And so I was teaching him to touch type in Bengali, uh, typewriter, but then that never happened. Um, I didn't have to. Yeah. So then uh, in Vrindavan, uh, Prabhupada used to sometimes chastise us and sometimes praise us. One time, because we were we had these big, huge um, giwiks, because the electricity would go off a lot, so we had to burn these um, big lamps for light. And one time Prabhupada looked at them and he said, why are these lamps so dirty? 
who has done this? And he would always find out who was behind it, you know. And we have to go up to him, and you just feel like you want to disappear somewhere. But you have to go and get chastised. And uh, anyway, but he would also praise us too. Um, one time we were in Bombay for visa, probably. We went there for visa. And I went for a morning walk with Shiva Prabhupada. And I was running, running to catch up. I was late. And then as soon as I caught up, Prabhupada stopped the whole morning walk, turned around to me, Hare Krishna. <laughs> he was, I thought, wow, who am I? And, you know, who, you know he's, he has thousands, you know, why he needs, he has time to, you just notice me, you know, like that. It was like nobody was unimportant to him, everybody was important, and he had the time for everybody. He had the time, although he was the busiest person, managing and doing everything. And then, of course, the walk was another thing. You know, here you are, you're in your 20s, he's in his 70s, and you're, you can't keep up, and you're thinking, how does he do it? I tried to figure it out, but I couldn't figure it out. And then when I, he would sit and give class in Calcutta Temple, I would look at him, and it would seem that he was not in, in the temple. He was not part of it. He looked like a, a movie. You're like you're looking at a movie or something like, and I was trying to figure out: is he here? Is he in some other dimension? Or you know, where is he? Is he actually here? Um, I could never figure out anything. And you would just watch him, and you'd be amazed. There was one um, devotee was telling how he met a master dance teacher in South India. And the dance teacher was saw a video of Srila Prabhupada giving a class. And he, after watching it, he showed it to his, his students and said, watch him use all the mudras in dance he's using. His eyes, his hands, different mudras like, like this, like this, like this. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it was amazing to watch Srila Prabhupada. It was just to watch him. Because it was like nothing you ever seen in this world. It was how he moved, how he drank his water, you know, like this. And his every movement was so different for us, anyway. I don't know if Indians felt the same way, but we certainly did. Uh, we couldn't. It was very amazing for us. And. Uh, so uh, then I understood. You can't understand the pure devotee with your intelligence, but you can understand him by devotion. So then, uh, back in Calcutta, uh, Siddha Prabhupada, one time it was Darshanarti, morning time, and all, Prabhupada was, I think he was on his way from Mayapura. There were like ten sannyasi with him. And uh, so they opened the deities, and that particular morning I had more flowers than usual. Someone had come and donated flowers during darshan, more than what I had, and so I like I, I did, covered the whole altar and did a huge decoration, much more than usual. And Prabhupada really liked it, and he called my husband and up, and I up after darshan before class. And there was all the sannyasis were surrounding him on the Vyas, around the Vyasa. And he said, Thank you very much for worshiping the deities so nicely. 
And uh, so after that, afterwards, one sannyasi came up to us and said, did you hear when you're offering obeisances, did you hear what Prabhupada said? We said, no, we didn't hear. And then he, um, he said, Prabhupada said, be blessed. So, whoa, we got the blessings. <laughs> but we were, we were really happy. But then the next day I understood, well, okay, I got the blessings yesterday, but now I have to earn them again today. <laughs> it's not like you got the blessings and you retire at the age of 25 or 27 or whatever. Whatever I was, I don't know, age, age 27. And uh, you have to keep earning the blessings every day. Uh, yeah, that is spiritual life. It's eternal. And you're eternally earning the blessings of the spiritual master. Always. So, um, yeah, then uh, one time he was giving Bhagavad Gita class in Calcutta. And it was Abhishananti Mahamudha Manishin Tanawashitam, that verse in the ninth chapter. How fools deride me when I appear in this human form. So he was giving Gita, and the men had the books, and they were seeing the verse, and then it was ladies' turn. Ladies didn't have any books, but I said it by memory. And Prabhupada was so happy, <laughs> I knew the verse. <laughs> he wanted us to know the verses. <laughs> so that was, that was cool. Anyway, we just wanted to make Prabhupada happy. <laughs> that was our life. He, he, he loved us, and we, we loved him in return. So we would just do anything, because he was doing so much more austerity than we were doing. He was traveling, he was writing, he was, and he was walking faster. I mean, we, he was, we couldn't, you know, he was a yogi. He was a spiritual, he, he was in a spiritual body, and, and uh, so he could do spiritual, he could do things that beyond the laws of material nature. I don't have, I didn't have experience like that. Some, a lot of, some devotees did have more experience how he was floating, how he, his feet weren't touching the ground. And he didn't make footprints when he would walk in the grass or on the beach. So, but I didn't have those miraculous ones, but just, but it was enough. I mean, just for him, for him to be with us. We didn't, we didn't need miracles, although he could do miracles, but, and some devotees did see that. I know in some air, some airport, especially when he would come to the airports, some devotees said that he would he didn't on the on the elevator he was floating down. A couple of devotees saw him like that. He didn't really touch the elevator, <laughs> the, 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 the not the elevator, the escalator, escalator coming down. Anyway, and some devotees saw his effulgence, and the, one devotee thought he'll test him, test his aura. And then it was, he was just blinded <laughs> by Prabhupada's effulgence, and he tried to see. And so, um, yeah, Prabhupada was very extraordinary. And uh, of course, but the most extraordinary thing was his compassion for us. He didn't know who, he didn't know us, but he, he gave himself for us. And so that was amazing. And he's still with us. And my, I had experience after he left in Vrindavan that uh, I came there in 93, but I didn't know what my service, my next service would be. I had been Pujari, I had been book distributor, and then I had been mother for, for seven years. And my son went to Gurukul 
in 94, and then I was like, okay, what do I do now? So I thought, okay, until I figure it out, I'm just going to chant and read, and read the books. So after a few months of chanting and reading, I got the inspiration from within that I should teach, because I read the books, like by that time, I read all the books maybe 10 times, all of them. I used to, we didn't have any books in India, so I used to beg them from the devotees who would come through Calcutta, going on their way to Mayapur for Gorpurnima festival. I would see anybody with a book, I would beg it. I got the full set of Srimad Bhagavatam and Chaitanya Charitamrita that way. I would just beg the books. So I had the full set and I had read it many times. So then I got inspiration, I should teach. But then I wasn't sure. I wanted confirmation from Prabhupada. So one day I was searching. I went to the Samadhi in Vrindavan and there was one tape playing. Prabhupada was speaking. When I went in the door of the Samadhi, Prabhupada said, you think the deity is made of stone? And I looked at Prabhupada. I said, no, no, Prabhupada, you're here. But, and then the lecture went on. Do you think the Goswamis were worshipping stone? No, no, Prabhupada, you're here. Okay, but I need, I would, I'd like to have some more personal confirmation. That what you know, I, this is the service I should do. Um, so then, I walked into his house, and they have they have these letters. And I, I picked up the letter. I said, maybe some message is here for me. Sure enough, there was a message, and the message said, "Now you are one of my senior disciples. I'm depending on you. You have learned the art of Krishna consciousness. Now teach it purely for the benefit of others." Okay, confirmation. <laughs> and the astrologer confirmed it too. Um, <laughs> and devotees confirmed it. I, I never would speak any, I never gave class before that. But the devotees, when I would speak, then devotees would like it. So I thought, okay. So then after that, I thought, how am I going to do this? Because ladies don't speak in the temple, ladies don't speak in VIHE. Uh, how am I going to speak? So I thought, well, I have to do it. So then I just started in my room where I was living outside and uh, having Bhagavad Gita class. And then the, the Chokidars, the, the guards said, you can't bring outside people here. This is a private house. So then I started teaching on top of the guest house of Krishna Balaram Temple. Uh, and then for one year I did that. Then finally I got a place where I stay now. And for two years I was teaching there. And then after that, VIHE opened up for women, 1997. They had started women's. Before you couldn't take the courses. You could go for the Karti courses, but you couldn't take Bhakti Shastri. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I had my own course going <laughs> in my house. Yeah, so, but my, what I learned was, you know, if you get an order from the spiritual master, I felt like I got the order then, you know, it doesn't matter if you have facility or not, you have to make the facility. You have to just do it. You know, that's my philosophy. You just, okay, facility or none, you just make it. You just have to do it and facility will come. And after that, I taught one year, I taught the women. And, at, and then I taught the next year, 98, that was 97, I taught the women. Maybe it was 98. I can't remember, 97. And uh, 
then the next year I had to teach the brahmacharis because the, the, I taught the men's bhakti shastri because the teacher didn't show up. <laughs> and then after that, I started traveling all over Europe teaching Bhagavad Gita. So it happened like really fast. That 98 was my first, and I came to Belfast in 98. I didn't, and Inishat, I came in 99. Um, so, yeah, I just did it, and, and the facility followed. You know, Europe was open for me, and the whole world was open. I could, I could just... So you just have to, if you get an order, you just do it. Don't think, oh, I don't have the money, I don't have the time, I don't have this, I don't have that. You just have to, okay, just do it. And so Prabhupada is still here with us. He's here in this temple. You're very fortunate to have his deity. You can pray to him and he will give you guidance. So today is, I, what is today? It's a fast day? It's Bhaktivinoda? Disappearance? Disappearance. And also Gadadhar. Gadadhar, it's two? Two. Gadadhar and Bhaktivinoda. Right. So anyway, I, I won't talk about them because I spent the whole time. But, but still, we will. We can pray to Garadhar and Bhaktivinoda today for, for blessings and to carry on our devotional service. So we'll stop here if there's any questions at this point or comments. Yes? Thanks so much for the class. It's really wonderful. Um, I always love to hear from Shiva Prabhupada's disciples. I think you're a very special disciple. Uh, I think everybody was special. <laughs> everybody was special. To be in India, like, from all that time. I've heard, I've heard um, a few um, Prabhupada's disciples speak about what it was like being near Srila Prabhupada. And, you know, there's one, there's one English one, maybe you know him. But he told me that when he was initiated, that the day when they went into they were in the temple somewhere, I can't remember where, and Srila Prabhupada came in, and immediately this kind of really unusual blue light was everywhere. <laughs> That's why I said we didn't see. Yeah, everyone <laughs> it, was just like in tears immediately, and that kind of, of thing. And um, Yeah, that happened That happened sometimes, not so often. Mm -hmm. For us, it was more like a, um, even I think at Chutananda had this same thing, but it was like a projection, and he wasn't, he, he wasn't really part of the world. He was really separate. I often, often wonder, you know, like for, for all of us, we didn't, we weren't around when Shiva Prabhupada was here, at least I wasn't. And, you know, it seems like as, as a movement, without that, sometimes it can seem that the whole thing about Shiva Prabhupada is lost. Right, yeah. So you're asking about now, you know, there, Prabhupada did show miracles sometimes, but that wasn't the basis of his teaching, no. you know. The base, and everybody can experience Prabhupada like that. I think there was one, one, one of our gurus who was not a Prabhupada disciple. I think the Russian, Russian, one Russian guru. He had, I mean, I heard that he had, he had experience, not of Prabhupada, but of seeing the spiritual world. And, and uh, so that, that's open for everyone if you connect with Siddha Prabhupada, if you have that connection strong. 
You just have to make that connection. You have to, I mean, you have the connection through your guru, but at the same time, you, you can make a personal relationship with Siddha Prabhupada too. And he can um, help you. Actually, the real miracle is change of heart. <laughs> and, and then when you change your heart, then, you, then the whole spiritual world will open up and everything will open and your relationship with Krishna. And so that, that, that's, and that's what, when people said, why don't the Indians would challenge him, why don't you show miracles? And he said, he would point to us and say, this is my miracle. So we should expect that miracle in our lives. That's what we should be expecting. A miracle of change of heart, melting the heart, and and that. Mm-hmm. Well, um, sometimes there's a lot of negativity about present day ISKCON. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering, is it? Do you feel that it's, it is actually doing very well? Yeah, there. Were, I th- I feel like uh, the negativity is um, that Kali is entering and, and challenging. Whenever you do something good, then there's going to be opposition. There was a lot of negativity uh, when Prabhupada was here too. There was, the, you know, the, they were kidnapping devotees and trying to brainwash them and, you know, torture. They were torturing devotees to give up Krishna consciousness. Um, so there was a lot of negativity I think um, now the problem is it's more inside the movement <laughs> than outside, or maybe equally. I think outside it's getting better and inside it's getting worse, but that's inevitable that um, as we grow and include more people and expand, then um, negativity will be there. And that's the negativity of, of Kali, Kali Chela, Kali entering. So, Prabhupada talks about that in Chaitanya Charitamrita, Kali Chela. You, you dress like a devotee, but you're an agent of Kali. And so that is, uh, that is there. And it was there when Prabhupada was here, too. People would join just to, I mean, to, to steal something um, from devotees. or Not so much, but they would, they would um, join for something. Uh, but that that has to be purified. There there is still a, a lot of devotees who are following purely, and so that has to be increased. We have to see the good and and be actually when whenever Prabhupada would 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 somebody would criticize in the movement or the devotees, Prabhupada would always say, "You be the example. You have to be the example of what you want to see." <laughs> and so that's what we have to do. If we see something, then we have to be the example of what we want to see, how it should be, how it should be. We have to be the example. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, th- thanks very much for the talk, um, Matajita. The, um, I have a question. It's not so in relation to today's talk. Is that okay to... To that. Okay, maybe. <laughs> we'll see. Well, <laughs> uh, actually, in some ways, it's, it's related, of course. Um, so I have a daughter, age, age 13, and oh, um, wow. it's, it's about um, mm. 
So, so uh, like I remember when she was two and she was in here and she's touring around the Kirtan and, and all the rest. And now she's 13. I didn't personally, the Western culture is do whatever you like, whatever. So she has a little, she's addicted to a little silly machine. And, um, and a what then, machine? Like a little machine, electronic machine. That oh yeah, every, all the kids do. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how can, um, <laughs> I just want to deal with the, uh, like on, on, on Sunday, she was on Saturday, she was making some pancakes with, um, with, with, um, with another girl. And she went to, she didn't even go to offer the, the, yeah. the pancakes. So how does someone deal with the disappointment of, um, <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, some kids start young. <laughs> um, the disappointment of somebody who, who one thinks one has more, should have had more opportunity in, in a sense, but then yeah. doesn't seem interested in coming to the temple or whatever. Yeah, well, Prabhupada did say whatever the child does up to the age of five will never be lost. And so that won't be lost. That'll stay with them. And what I see is these children of devotees uh, they can't, they try to give up, they try to enjoy, they try to be a part of the normal, the outside world, but they never um, are, they're rarely successful at it. They're very unsuccessful at being part of that world. So now, you know, and their karma does come up when they're teenagers. That's when it manifests, all their desires. So how, uh, yeah. Well, the one thing you have to know is that there is hope. Uh, there is uh, I, there's one example I can give of one mother and son. And the mother, uh, you know, she's chanting her 16 rounds. The son is just doing anything, whatever. And um, they both got malaria together in India. And the mother was going, ah, and the son was going, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna, Krishna. <laughs> 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 yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's so deep in their heart, they can't forget. So, but the thing is this, that we have to, one thing we have to know is they have to join themselves. We joined uh, voluntarily. We took up the Krishna Conscious Movement. It was our decision. So they have to make their decision too. It has to be a conscious decision to join the movement. There's not much you can do except pray, <laughs> and you can give some of your rounds to them, and, and uh, whatever, you can pray now. The main thing is association. If they could have good association, uh, that will help. My son now, he, he, he's been in America for a long time. He's trying to be American, um, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he still likes Indian food best, you know, but um, yeah, when he went there, he was just, oh, devotees don't know anything, this, that, but now he's appreciating devotees. He's saying, oh, yeah, this is, now I'm living in a good place because I could be with devotees. Before, he didn't appreciate. Uh, so that's, that's the first sign, a good sign of coming back, and now he's even working with devotees. Uh, he got a job. Uh, another job working with it. He said, oh, it's working with devotees. I said, oh, okay, good. <laughs> so, you know, any little thing. Yeah, the main thing is offering the food. I have to go and offer. When I go there, I offer all the food, but when I go away, it's, yeah, they don't, yeah. But anyway, you just have to see the good and fan the good. Whatever little 
good thing she does, you have to, if she does anything Krishna conscious, <laughs> I don't know, then you have to fan that. But you can't, you can't now, now she's already like an adult, she thinks. Um, <laughs> her own person, she's become her own person, so you can only uh, love her and be friendly and try to yeah, help her. Yeah, you had somebody had their hand. Malati Priya. Yeah, you're successful. Let's hear. Let's hear from Malati Priya. I found that um, some of my children, uh, before they started appreciating the devotees, they went through a phase of saying, uh, "Oh, we cannot join in the normal life," uh, which means. The normal society outside, yeah. Yeah. because we grew up in this weird way, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and so we don't have the connection to other people, and so they blame then their upbringing. Yeah, 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 they, yeah, they do, they do, uh, because they have to understand that the miseries are there anyways, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, and it's not due to their uh, Hare Krishna upbringing. Yeah, um, and when they when they understand that, then they can start appreciating the So when they understand their miseries, uh, the, their miseries are there anyways. Are there anyways? They if they're in that world or this world? Yeah, whether they grow up as a non-devotee or a devotee. The yeah. So then they come back. Oh, so you have experience. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. There's hope, <laughs> but they might have to be beaten by Maya a little bit. You have to see the miseries and see where is the shelter. I remember one son, my, my son also, completely, I don't believe in Krishna, this, that. But um, even though he says that, one day he was working in America in the mall. And he was so poor he was living in his car. He didn't even have a, an apartment or anything. He was living in his car, working in the mall the whole day. And one day he lost all his keys, means... He had no place to sleep. He had no, and it was nighttime, and he was wandering around. He lost the keys to the mall. He lost the keys to his car. And he said, and he, <laughs> then he thought of Krishna. <laughs> and he said, okay, Krishna, I'll make a deal with you. You find my keys, and I'll chant 16 rounds. Within five minutes, the guard from the <laughs> mall came up and said, are these your keys? <laughs> <laughs> And he chanted 16 rounds, took him about a month. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they can't forget. And he said, and if, and if that didn't work, I would have phoned you and told you to ask Giri Rush. <laughs> so it's deep. They can't get it out. And when, when they are challenged in the material world, they will, they will take shelter when, when the, that challenge comes. You know, uh, because she hasn't been challenged yet. She's just, you know, living nicely at home and everything's there and, and she can do her material things too. You can't, you, can't, you can't really stop them. I mean, you can try, but I don't know. I think it's too old already. And then she's going to school, she has all that association, and everybody else is doing the same thing. I mean, I don't know in your school, but in, in the Western schools, the outside schools, they don't give them books anymore. 
I don't know about your school. They have to do everything online. Homework is online. You have to look it up. They don't give you the answers. <laughs> you have to, that was, I was so shocked when I went this time to the West, eighth grade, no books. Just, I did do that here, I don't know. They do that. Yeah, I mean, and, and they don't, I don't know what they teach in the school, but you, there's, you have to do your homework online and find the answers on Google, you know. What, what, why do the teachers get paid, you know? Just have Google as your teacher. Don't go to school. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, I'm there. They're trained up to be hooked to, plugged in, to the internet, to the these little gadgets. It's their life. I remember I took my stepdaughter traveling one month with me, and one place we went, she couldn't connect to the internet, and she was having withdrawal symptoms. <laughs> you know? I was like, oh. She was, at that age, I think she was 20, 21, 22. Yeah, when I took her. And that was rough. <laughs> Austerity, no internet. And we didn't even have mail in India. Even phone, we didn't have phone in Calcutta. Try to make a phone call in Calcutta. And you have to try 10 times before you would get through to somebody. Now it's completely changed. Life has changed. But the result is people don't know how to, to behave with others. They don't know how to relate with other people. They're just on their phones. Yeah. Yeah, it was just, um, no, it was just a few weeks ago she showed me the, the religion book and um, there was 12, 12 world religions and there was Christianity and there are little symbols for each one. Christianity and Islam, Islam, Hinduism, and something else, and Buddhism, and it was Hare Krishna. Oh, really? Um, wow, that's and, good. And the tilak symbol. Oh, wow, that was really far out. showed me that and said, look, that is Hare Krishna. <laughs> See? <laughs> She's trying to please you. <laughs> oh, that's really good. That's amazing. That's amazing. Because they always remember in the devotees was the Hindus, usually. Yeah, usually they put us in the Hindus. Now in Sweden and Finland, they have devotees teaching religion in the schools. And see, they have for each religion, they have a teacher. So for, our, for Hinduism, um, they have our devotee teaching, devotees teaching. Yeah, there's a regular teacher, regular pay, everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you need. They need association of youth. Yeah, she goes on youth tours, and when she's a little young for that, but when she gets older, you can think about sending her um, with the youth tours. But yeah, I'm glad to hear that that they they just have to <laughs> they'd come back <laughs> that they do come back and uh, yeah. That's, that's good news. <laughs> they have to go through a crisis. They have to go through a crisis. Yeah, because um, yeah. something, the life becomes empty. 
you know, if everything materially is there and everything uh, is perfect actually. I, I have a child like that, so everything is perfect, uh, but there's something missing and she can't figure it out. <laughs> I should be so grateful, but I feel so restless. So restless. <laughs> and, uh, uh, Mom, what is it? You know? what, what is it? Like, she's coming to that question. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't want to mention name, but it's nobody's living here. Yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. So I think the next step will be to, um, to understand something is lacking. I have a need that I mm. can't fulfill. Where can I fulfill mm. this Exactly. Need? And then it becomes a, yeah, a spiritual need. Yeah, so right now the, the little gadgets are fulfilling all their needs for emotional, whatever, you know, social. It's, all their needs are being fulfilled by this little thing, their education, they're, they're, uh, they're taught to depend on it for everything. So that's, that's the problem nowadays. That's, the, that's a big problem. And then the day may come where they just, whoever is in charge of the internet will control you. They'll just, like, like now I was... I was um, on Facebook, this one, it says they're banning this site, uh, Natural News, which is complaining about different things, you know, ecology and stuff. They're starting to, to ban these things. So anyway, yeah, we have to be careful. We have to be careful. Natural News is now starting to sue Google for repressing... Yeah, yeah, maybe it was Google, yeah. They're saying Google wants to control everything. And yeah, I mean, yeah, they, uh, some people believe Google is God. Uh, we had a debate in Bombay between Google and Krishna. They had a debate, two sides. Google is God or Krishna is God? <laughs> yeah, Google knows everything. He's omniscient. <laughs> He's got so many qualities. It's just not beautiful, <laughs> like Krishna. <laughs> he doesn't have the beauty. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, how could they have a debate that Google is God? But it's it happened in India. Of course, India is the first place to 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 be. I I travel all over the world with my Giriraj. The only place I had trouble was in Delhi. <laughs> for carrying on Kiriraj. Everyone else is very respectful. All the other places, we know it's a spiritual stone, but you can't carry him on. <laughs> but they let me anyway. <laughs> but it was, it's, yeah. And Nepal was the second place. They thought it was one of theirs that I was trying to take out of their country. <laughs> so I was traveling, fortunately I was traveling Indian Airlines. They kept me detained until, you know, somebody from the crew came. The crew said, it's ours. <laughs> anyway, yeah. They're pretty respectful. Everywhere I go. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> Google is God.
Okay, any other questions? It's nine o'clock now, we should have breakfast, yeah. Oh, everybody's fasting today. <laughs> All right, I'll go to the program. Thank you.